welcome to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. This podcast is for you, the busy business owner or executive looking to create generational wealth. Here, we're going to show you how to do that through real estate investing, from multifamily to industrial and everything in between. You will become a real estate investing expert. And now, here's your host, Michael Holman. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. I'm your host, Michael Holman. Excited to have you here with us today. We have an excellent, excellent guest. His name is Colin Dean. We are going to introduce him in just a little bit. Hope everything has been going well. Hope businesses are flourishing. Hope real estate investments are doing well uh, and that life is going very, very good for all of you. As usual, we want to start with our executive tip for today. So today's executive tip is learning how to let go. Okay. And most of you are thinking, what in the world does that mean? Well, I'm talking about learning to delegate, learning to let go and provide responsibilities to other people in your business and in your life. Uh, it's, it's all about leveraging those around you and being able to do more than any one person could do. So together as a team, you can get way more done. And being able to not have control over everything is a very, very difficult thing, especially for, especially for those of us who do run our own business or we are managers over a lot of people. Uh, it's kind of, it's, it's us on the line in those situations, right? And so it's hard to not have control, but the hiring good people, surrounding yourself with good people and learning to give those people responsibilities will infinitely increase your abilities to do more and to do it even better than you could yourself. That's true in business and that's true in real estate investing. So thank you. That's today's executive tip, but we are going to go ahead and get right into things today. As I said, we have Colin Dean with us. He is a territory manager at Terumo Medical, which is a medical device company. And he has all sorts of good experience. He has good experience in business. Uh, he has great experience in real estate investing. I know personally, he has seen an entire gamut of real estate investing, and he's invested in quite a few different types of properties. So we're definitely going to get into that today. Uh, Colin, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Mike. It's uh, great, great to be here. I'm yeah, excited. appreciate it. So let's let's go ahead and just start off. Tell us about yourself. Who who are you, Colin? Okay, I am a. Uh, I, I grew up in uh, Salt Lake area. I'm now in in Spokane. But I, like like Mike said, I'm a territory manager. I'm a sales. Been a sales rep. I've been in medical device for about uh, eighteen years or so. Um, I had done pre med, going through college, uh, graduated, actually started medical school, and then decided that wasn't the route we wanted to take. Withdrew from school. And that got me kind of into entry level medical uh, medical device sales. So I've done sales rep. I've done like uh, management in there, and now I'm back in the uh, in just an individual sales rep uh, sales rep role. Married wow. with uh, with five kids. So and, anyway, that is, yeah, that's fantastic. Now I I I have to ask. So you you actually had started the pre med route. You were in school to go be a, a doctor. Is that correct? Yeah, that that's that's correct. I had done all the pre-med stuff, taken the MCAT, got accepted to medical school, started medical school. Um, and it's kind of an odd story. I'll give you the condensed for it. But yeah, just 
from the time I started, uh, something just felt off. It didn't feel right. So I didn't say I, I was, I'm currently married, was still married at the time. I didn't say anything to my wife. I didn't want to freak her out. I'm like, yes, I mean, medical school is hard, right? You're finally there. There's finally kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Cause up to that point, you're just doing all this stuff and you don't know if you're going to get accepted or all. So there's finally light at the end of the tunnel. I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's tough. It's something new. I just kept plugging away about two, three, four months passed. And uh, that feeling just grew if, if anything. So I eventually told my wife, I said, we'll keep going. I'll keep chugging through school, but let's pray about it. Think about it. And in the end, we just decided that uh, that there was a, 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 there'd be a better option, better option for us. So that, that was a tough decision to walk yeah. away from I, once you're finally there and you're I in bet. the middle of it to walk away. That was not an easy uh, choice. So holy cow, I I can't even imagine that must have taken. Uh, I can't imagine. Uh, I married myself. I can't imagine the conversation uh, that you had with your wife initially to tell her. <laughs> <laughs> that you were that you were decided to 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 drop out of medical school essentially and go do something else. Uh, yeah, I'm sure from, that had to be nerve wracking. It, it was from the time I had uh, we had known each other. You know, I had played sports and and fo- a little bit of football in college and stuff. And so I always just had in my mind medical school was that was just kind of the the plan. It was good to kind of have uh, a, a goal in there. And so from the time I knew her, that was that was always the plan. And so when I told her. Hey, this is uh, this is what's this is what I'm thinking. It kind of shocked her a little bit. Like, oh, <laughs> my husband's not going to be a doctor. What uh, you know? So uh, oh, my my awesome. wife it, it shocked her a bit. It was it was rough on my mom as well. You know, <laughs> when I, my my dad rolled with it pr- pretty well, but uh, then yeah, my mom probably took it the hardest uh Kata, my wife was kind of in, in between those two but it all it all worked out so <laughs> that it's, been, it's awesome. been good well that's that is quite the story I, I love hearing that so tell us I mean where did that where'd that lead up I mean you're now a territory manager uh uh-huh. I, you know I believe things are, are probably going pretty well how'd you how'd you get from you know that point of dropping out of medical school kind of run us through the the path and the timeline to where you're at today yeah. Um, so the biggest challenge was getting withdrawn from medical school and then trying to find a job. I had, I had done shadowing of doctors like you have to do. There wasn't as many of the HIPAA rules back then. So I could be with a lot more doctors and all the pre-med. So I had seen different device reps or pharmaceutical, you know, different drug reps in there. I was like, God, oh, that would, that seems like that'd be a, a good option. So I reached out to, uh, to some recruiters, some headhunters, and they all said, Hey, you seem like a great guy, but, um, basically come back to me when you've got two years plus of successful business to business sales experience with a fortune 500 company. And so I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so then I looked at, okay, maybe I do copy or maybe I'll do some sort of sales to, to get in there. But I just ended up networking. It was a friend of a friend of a friend, you know, I just for about a month and a half. And I ended up finding somebody that was in, in medical device stuff that was in Las Vegas, reached out to them and there was an opening with their company. So uh, that's, that's what led me to an entry-level sales job in, uh, in, in Las Vegas. Kind of interesting story. My first interview with that company, I was in Missouri at the time, and the interview was in Orange County, California. So I drove from, uh, from Missouri to California. That's a lot of time to get prepared for, uh, for an <laughs> interview. Bet. But, but we Probably overthought two- that interview a little bit. Yeah, for, uh, for, <laughs> for sure. But we had two cars at the time, and we needed to, we were going to move out wet back west anyway we're like well if we're gonna look for a job we might as well do it closer to family so i need 
I was like, I got to get one of the, we only take one in the U-Haul with this. So uh, uh, anyway, it was, uh, it was interesting, but I got that, got that job and then did well there. And then you just kind of move up the, the food chain as far as more, uh, more specialized, as far as medical device stuff. So I started out really general selling like surgical packs, cape drapes to surgery centers and hospitals. And then yeah. I went into like uh, graphs, skin graft type stuff, uh, burn victims for another job. And then I got into electrophysiology where you're doing mapping wow. and ablating of stuff. A anyway, so that's just awesome. generally got, got more specialized and that's what es essentially brought us to where we're at now. That's kind of the career in a nutshell. So. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. That's fantastic. One of the really important things that I want to uh, kind of rewind on, right, is, is that first job out of college, right? You said you were just networking and it was like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend is how you found that job. And that's just one of the things that I want to reiterate to everybody out there listening or watching to the show right now. Uh, it's true in it's true in business and it's true in real estate, especially. I mean, relationships are, are everything. Right. I mean, especially for, for me. Um, and I think this could be, you know, you could probably say the same too, Colin, uh, the relationships that I have as a real estate developer are, I mean, real estate is generally kind of an old school, uh, industry to be perfectly honest. I mean, a lot of what happens in real estate happens in, in handshakes. It happens in in-person meetings or, uh, or if, you know, if it's over the last, you know, year in 2020, a lot of virtual meetings, but, the relationships are really everything. So, so it's interesting that you just kind of put your head down. It sounds like you were really determined to, to find that medical device, that medical sales job. And you just didn't quit. You just kept finding someone else who could lead you down that path. Yeah, for, for sure. That became for about two months there, my full-time job, 10, 12 hours a day was networking and trying to and, and, and trying to find something. Yeah. It was a buddy from medical school. There's a lot of different leads, but he had someone that he knew that ran like in Idaho, uh, uh, rehab, something like that. You know, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll talk to him. Maybe he's got something. Cause I had management, you know, be a director or something, work my way up to that. And then I happened to ask him, do you know anybody that does medical stuff? And he had a guy that he knew at one point that was a, was a drug rep. So then I reached out to that guy and I said, Hey, that seems interesting, but I'm more interested in like medical device. Do you happen to know anyone that does medical device type stuff? And he had, it's like, actually my brother does that down in Las Vegas. So then I called his brother uh, and his wife answered and said, Hey, are you calling about the, I explained who I was. And she's like, are you calling about the open position in, in Vegas? And I was like, yes, I am. That is exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it is. You gotta, yeah. Just like you said, it's all about being honest and having those relationships with folks. And that's exactly what got me into this career path. So that's awesome. That's fantastic. It sounds like, it sounds like every real estate uh, deal and investment uh, that you do out there. It's, it's never the first person you talk to. It's, it's the third or fourth person down the chain that you never knew. Uh, and that's how you get the deal. So that, that is truly fantastic. And I'll tell you what, had you dropped out of medical school at that point? Y yes. At that point, oh I, at that point I had, cause I'd withdrawn. I was like, okay, once we had decided, Hey, this isn't the route that we're going to take. I was like, there's no reason to incur more, more debt as we're doing it. And I yeah. got to just start looking. So yeah, I had withdrawn from medical school um, and just started yeah, networking and looking. All right. Well, for those of you who may not realize uh, two months 
probably felt like an eternity. I mean, that is a, that is a long time to persevere, uh, after leaving medical school. So kudos, that is, <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, yeah, shows, shows a lot of grit, uh, kind of getting into, into the business today and in in that you're dealing with Colin. What, I mean, what are some of the, your territory manager, I assume you're traveling all around doing all these medical device sales. I mean, what, what's kind of the most difficult thing that you deal with in your business on a, on a regular basis? On, on a regular basis, just the normal, uh, sales stuff, keeping, keeping customers, uh, happy getting keeping the balance between customers and and the company right the ultimate, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um yeah just getting in front of them staying in front of them having coming finding the right fit right yep. you can't just go hey this is i've got an awesome product but it may not be awesome for for this doctor or this facility so it's finding that match observe cases see where there's a a, a need or, or a weakness, a gap there, and then go, okay, this is a product that I have that would can benefit the doctor, the, the patient. And, yeah. Um, so that's, that's the biggest thing. I don't know if that's a challenge, but that's the biggest thing oh, that, yeah. that, that, that has to happen. You know, challenges will come pricing issues, you know, everything's now more driven at a corporate level where indiv individual doctors or facilities don't have as much say as yeah. they did before. So it's got to go up the chain of command back to the corporate uh, IDN, you know, like in Salt Lake, it'd yep. be like the Intermountain Healthcare's of the world or the Providence Health's that make yep. a lot of the decisions at a corporate office. So. Interesting. So, so tell us how, uh, how do you overcome those, those challenges? What do you yeah. do personally in your business? Um, overcoming them would be, you've got to, on multiple levels, you you build the relationship with the doctor and the, and the facility and get that buy-in. And then you've got to work in parallel at the, at the corporate level, work with each company. We've got folks that work with the, those IDNs, the, the, the corporate contracts, and you've got to know the rules, how, how the, how things have to work. And you've got to work in parallel on the corporate side, awesome. on the physician side and, and, yeah, build that uh, interest with the physician, that desire, and then simultaneously check the boxes with the corporate office, get the physicians to fill out the paperwork that they've got to, to justify the request. And then take, it's a process, but in the end, they end up being able to add, add the products to their, uh, to their formulary. So. Yeah, no, that's, that is, that's really interesting. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, transitioning a little bit into real estate investing. Yeah. Uh, I know that you have done uh, uh, quite a bit of real estate investing and you're feels like you're continually doing more. I mean, uh, every time I turn around, um, I'm hearing about how you're invested in another project or you're doing another project. I mean, how did you, how did you get started into real estate investing? Yeah, it was. So on that one, I'd always been a, I've always just kind of naturally born, been a, been a saver and an investor. So initially my first eight, 10 years, it was all, um, standard investments in, in stock market, uh, 401k, um, do your, uh, whatever you call the maximum invest, whatever the limit yep. is I'd, each year, I'd max, I'd max that out and max that out. But after, you know, six, seven years of doing that, I'm like, okay, now what, what else, what else do I do? There's gotta be something else. I'm going to keep doing that. And then that's why, I, again, I had a buddy that had, had some properties, it's kind of entry level, like a lot of folks, um, single family or duplex properties. 
that happened to be up in Idaho. So through him, I got connected with the realtor up there because I was living in Las Vegas at the time and nothing in Vegas. This is like 05, 06 when stuff oh, was yeah. really climbing and high. Yeah. There was nothing in Vegas that could cash flow or come anywhere near it at, at that time. So we got some properties in Idaho that did. So that that was that was the entry level. That's that's what got me. That's what got me into that. And then from there, uh, I found out about syndications and and other things that. Uh, so I just kind of started smaller and, and branched out from from there. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, sounds a little bit like uh, like today. I mean, I'm not going to take out my crystal ball, but you're talking about Las Vegas in 0506 uh, and not being able to cash flow. There's you know, there's a lot of markets out there right now having a similar issue. I know in, in my own market, right, my backyard, uh, a lot of people are not cash flowing at all, or some are even paying money to, uh, <laughs> to have the rental property, which just absolutely blows my mind. I don't understand, but it's because rates keep going up so much. They just, they view it as, uh, you know, I'll just sell it in a year or two and, and make, you know, 10%. But uh, yeah, kind of interesting how there's some, uh, some similarity between that time and what we're seeing right now. And like I said, uh, whether we're in a bubble or not in a bubble, that is, that is up for an entirely different discussion. We're not going to get into that today, but, but just kind of interesting. So, so on those single family homes, uh, how did those do for you? Were those, were those good investments? Did you, uh, did you have any investments that didn't work out in that process? Um, yeah, I mean, they worked out overall and I learned from, so what I changed, I mean, if I can go back in time, would I tweak some stuff for, for sure? I mean, the biggest thing is I bought, even though I was buying in Idaho, I was still buying. As now you look back on it in a five, six, seven at, at a high time. So er, everything that I bought, um, they then went until about 14. I mean, they're probably worth less money. So for seven, eight, nine years, 10 years, they were cash flowing. So it was all right. I didn't buy anything where I was losing money month to month on it. But if I were just look at it, like, Hey, I bought this thing for, for 150 or 130. And it's now I talked to my realtor, it's worth 115. I mean, it, they were underwater wow. uh, for, for a chunk of time. Um, and it's just been in the last say four years where they balance back out. And then in the last three or four years, now they've, um, now, now they've done well, but I learned yeah, I bought a house uh, literally like a week after we closed on it. The insurance agent sent me a letter that said it needs a new roof or it's oh. no longer insurable. Yeah. And I was like, well, that would have been nice to know when you did the inspection, you know, because the insurance <laughs> company wanted to go out there and see it. I'm like, why didn't you tell me that before I close? So, I mean, you learned the, and of course, it was a roof that was had like three layers of shingles on it. So I had to tear <laughs> everything down. Always. So, I learned, I, I, I learned that way, repaired a couple of roofs. I had a couple properties. I had a triplex and then a weary odd duplex that those were always kind of challenging properties. So about those were the first two that, that I, yeah. that, that I, that I sold. Um, and then um, I've slowly been, been selling. I'm, and that's something I'm still debating moving forward. Do I continue to keep and do uh, some single family type properties or do I just totally go to the syndic? I don't have the answer yet. I've definitely uh, windowed those down. Yeah. Um, but that's, there's, I like the flexibility of those. Like, okay, I can refinance it, do a cash out refinance. It gives me a lot of flexibility. I can 1031 it easily and yep. keep doing that. We're in a syndication. You don't, but they're, they're a lot more of a 
headache is as well for, for sure. Or they <laughs> yeah. can, they, they, they can be. So, yeah, no, I mean, there's a couple of really good points through, through all of that. I mean, that I just kind of want to point out for everyone. I mean, number one, probably it's not the most common question I get, but probably in the top five questions that I get is now a good time to buy real estate, right? I mean, should I buy real estate right now? And my, my answer is, is generally the same, right? Uh, there's never a perfect time to start investing in real estate. I mean, you just, you just don't know what's going to happen. And as long as you're being prudent and you're being smart and doing your due diligence, there's never an, an, an optimal, a perfect time, or at least there's not a perfect time that you're ever going to realize is the perfect time in that moment. I mean, you were buying properties at what most people would consider is the absolute worst <laughs> time possible to start real estate investing. Right. I mean, so interesting how, how, even though you had bought properties, it, it really, what I would probably say is about the worst time you possibly could. You did your due diligence. You made sure that those properties were in a cash flow, and you were able to ride out any storms, right? And, and so, step. I mean, that's kind of the first point that I want to make is there's there's never a perfect time to start investing in real estate, right? I mean, you you can always uh, try and project or guess what's going to happen in the future. But at the end of the day, no one really knows. <laughs> and so being able to be smart and get invested, I mean, do you think you'd be where you are at today if you had held off two, three, four years? I mean, I, would you would you think you would have invested, you know, right after the crash had happened? No, not, no, I, I'm of the same, that same feeling. It, I, looking back on it, like if I could go back in time, which you never do, I'd be okay. Yeah. I would have <laughs> held the money for three years and then it would have been, you know, I'd have bought those properties for 35, 40, and it would be even a better, but no, you, you learn, you learn as you go. And I learned, I learned lessons, many, many lessons, like with the roofs. I, I mean, I was buying, going in trying to get, okay, I want to get a decent property, but you're looking for bottom line. Hey, what can in theory cash flow yep. the, the best. Another thing I learned is I bought some uh, old, they were older properties. And I'd like, Hey, if I had to do over, I'm buying, I'm buying new stuff. We were, even though on paper, it doesn't, uh, look as good. You don't have the 15,000, $20,000 roof that happens, or it's got <laughs> knob yeah. and wire electrical, you know, stuff that it's a, just a, yeah. a hellacious expense. There's just yeah. things like that when you go to, um, so yeah, but that's how, that's, that's how you learn. Uh, it's kind of, that's, I, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything knowing what I, what I knew then. It's, yeah, it's, it was better just to, just to get, just to get in there and, uh, and, and learn. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, that's really kind of the second point from that whole conversation that, that I want to emphasize here is some things you, you just have to get in and learn, right. And there's this analysis paralysis that can happen sometimes where you just start analyzing everything for years and years and years. And you're always thinking, well, next year's the year, next year's the year. Well, this thing isn't right No, I'll do it next year. Once the market crashes, I, I, uh, I have a funny story where uh, I was living in the very first home I bought, I was living there. Um, and this was, this was, a, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. Uh, and I had some neighbors move in and they were renting and they said, oh, we're just going to rent until the crash happens, right? We, we know there's going to be another crash, right? They had just experienced 2008 and 2010. So they're like, we'll just wait. So they, they rented for three, four years and 
home prices just kept going up and they finally got to a point where it's like, oh, well, we can't keep renting. Like we really need to buy something for our family. Uh, and they ended up buying it at a, at a way more expensive time, right? And so th- this understanding that, that the timing is never perfect. And then two, understanding that uh, it's a learning experience, right? I mean, I go back to my very first investment. I was in college and I remember my very first investment was I bought one stock of Adobe and I bought two stocks of Nike. Very first investment. <laughs> I had no reason. I knew that I liked Nike and I wore a lot of Nike clothes. So I thought, why not? And the second investment Adobe was uh, where I live. They had just built a brand new, big, beautiful campus. And I thought that's pretty cool. They must be doing well. So I'll, I'll buy some of them, right? <laughs> but it was a learning experience, right? I From that point, I was able to understand how an investment worked. I started understanding capital gains, right? Even if it was these small amounts, right? I mean, $10 of capital gains on one stock kind of thing. But when you're in college, I mean, that those were invaluable lessons that you can project. And it's the same thing with real estate investing. It's the same thing as you're getting started, kind of like you were mentioning, right? Buying these single family homes, right? I mean, would you change things? All of us. I don't think there's any person on planet earth that says I did it a hundred percent right from day one, right? Like that just doesn't exist. You have to start somewhere and then be willing to learn and grow and pivot. So that's, that is, those are excellent examples, Colin. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you, you, you bet for sure. So, so the next thing you kind of mentioned, um, you said you've kind of been potentially looking, you've been doing mostly right. Single family homes. You mentioned duplex, uh-huh. triplex, uh, you're starting to get into syndication and you're kind of narrowing it down and evaluating. Tell us, tell us that thought process, right? I mean, you sound like you might be starting to potentially switch uh, how you're, how you're investing in real estate uh, or you're at least exploring that. Why is that? Yeah. The, the reason is um, I, when I started investing, I, I didn't know about syndications. I think uh, there, uh, there's many more of them now than there, than there were uh, back um, back then, certain you'd know better than I do. Certain laws had changed where they allow folks to mm-hmm. to, to syndicate, and yep. you've got the accredited investor status, and you're able to to, to do those within those um, regulations. And the thought process is just more of a uh, scalability thing. Because initially, I I thought, okay, I get ten rental properties, maybe twenty rental properties, I get them paid off, and then boom, now twenty years from now, I've got them paid off, and I'm bringing in fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month in rental income. There's still expenses yep. from there. But in my mind, yep. that was my initial thought process. But I'm like, hey, as you start doing that, and then there's like, then I found out what about liability? Do they need to go in LLCs? Now I gotta create all which I did. You, you do all this stuff. It just becomes yep. bills set that there's just a lot of work. I was like, okay, the syndication model is seems more scalable. And then I also like being able to find different syndicators that have been doing what they've doing for a long time. They do the legwork and then I've got to get where I can trust them, but then they're the experts in it. And I can just kind of find some syndicators th- that I like, and I'm not the one having to try to find all these single family deals and, and do all this stuff. I can just kind of place my money with, with them and then let it ride and see who I like better, see who reports. There's yeah. over time, you just learn how yeah. the investment do whether good or bad, you can learn a lot from, from a syndicate, you know, it, I get it. Things go bad. I've seen it in my own investment stuff. Doesn't go the way it is, but did they are, do they over communicate? Are they good at communicating? Do they let you know before it hits the fan and it's just late and they got a hundred mad investors at them. Those, those types of things you just learn yeah. as you go. And I'm like, okay. I like 
I'm going to continue to invest with, with these guys. So that was it. I just like the, the, it's more streamlined. Those would be the pros of it. Someone yeah. else is, is the expert. And I think there's more, there's more scalability uh, in it for sure. Yeah, no, interesting. And you kind of mentioned your original goal. I mean, I talked to, I talked to hundreds of real estate investors all the time. Right. And, and almost all of them start with that same initial goal. Uh, right. I'm going to, the number of properties differ, right? Some people are, I just want, I want to get four rental properties and I want them completely paid off. And some people, I want 30 rental properties and I'm going to get them all paid off. Uh, it's interesting. That is, honestly, that is almost where every single person starts and, and for good reason, right? I mean, it makes sense. That's a great place to start. Uh, and, and it's an honorable goal, right? And the funny thing is, is as you kind of get into real estate, you start understanding real estate more. Uh, your goals and what you're trying to accomplish have a tendency to change over time, right? And that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with owning 20, 30 uh, rental properties free and clear, right? I and mean, there's a lot of security no. in that. Uh, if, if you've listened to previous episodes, you've heard me talk about debt and the value of debt. I'm not, I'm not anti, you know, owning outright properties. Uh, they don't make as much money, but it, they provide a lot of security, right? And if that's the goal, that's, that's an opportunity, right? I mean, you do the math, they just don't make as much money, but it's, it's interesting how, right. That's a starting place and, and being able to start there and then pivot as you go throughout the career and throughout your investing experience. Uh, awesome. All right. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Colin, we're going to do the, the executive advice section. Uh, okay. Are you ready for this? Ready, ready or not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is the best business advice you were ever given? I think the best business advice it would just be, and it's pretty common sense stuff like, hey, be honest with people, be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Uh, there's so many folks that I've seen that <laughs> just don't do that, that doing the things that seem obvious and consistently doing them over time, over years and decades, uh, it, it, it's, it separates you. If folks can trust you, they'll, they respect you. That's what I want. I want people to trust me and, and to respect me. And if I do what I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it, um, I've just found that that works uh, very well. And I think someone's going to be successful if they, if they do these, those things, aside from getting better, honing your craft, increasing yep. your knowledge, all those same basic stuff. But if you take that and roll it into those things, I think you're going to, people are going to be successful. It's, it's worked for me and I, it's worked with folks that, that, that I know. Awesome. No, completely agree. That's awesome. All right. Question number two, what real estate investing advice would you give other business owners and executives? Uh, advice would be do your, as much due diligence as you can on things, just like we talked about without having, uh, analysis by paralysis, you know, you got to do uh, as much due diligence as you can. Don't be, uh, uh, paralyzed by it and, and move forward and realize you're going to, you're going to learn as, as you go. And one other thing that I've learned along the way is, um, and this is, investment advice, but it's, I had always thought 401k, da, 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 I'm going to invest. I'm going to have the 4% rule, whatever, you know, I'm going to have $5 million and live. But the thing <laughs> I never thought of, and it came to fruition when you're going to lose a job or things get moved, your cheese gets moved on you. And you're like, okay, I've got all this money in my 401k, which is great. 
but I'm 35 years old or whatever I, you know, I was at the time and I can't access that money. I can't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Even if I have $2 million at that point, there's nothing I can do with it right now. So I, so at that point I started, I'm still going to do my 6% company match, do all that, but I'm going to start getting cash now and taking that money that I was investing there and have money that I, I have access to immediately. If I lose my job in two years, I've got side investments that are starting to make this passive income and other little streams, streams of income and not just one lump sum that I'm waiting on that I can't really access until I'm 65 or 67 and a half or, or whatever it is. That was definitely enlightening to, to me when that happened uh, eight, 10 years ago, whatever it was, seven years ago. So awesome. Great, great advice. So anyone who is listening to this, uh, highly, highly recommend you listen again. I would go back. I would honestly, right now, if you're listening, you're watching, hit the back button, start over at the executive advice and listen to everything Colin just said, because it is very true. I mean, if whether you're, whether you're 20, 30, 40, I mean, unless you're 65 or 64 and a half or, or whatever the time limits are, right. You're, you might have 10, 20, 30 years between when you can access that money. And that's a really important thing. I mean, talk about a lack of security, right? I mean, or if you do take it out, you're getting these huge penalties on it, which basically negates any of the benefits that you got in the first place. So great, great advice, Colin. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, that was absolutely fantastic. Great advice. And we appreciate you having you on the show. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Mike. It was great being here. Thank you for listening to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. Ready to learn more? Go to executivereishow.com for more episodes and resources to help you create generational wealth through real estate investing. That's executivereishow.com.